You are listening to the Great Commission Leadership Podcast, a podcast that encourages leaders pursuing the Great Commission. Today's show is brought to you by O'Donnell Financial Coaching. O'Donnell Financial Coaching exists to empower you to take control of your finances. Whether you are in debt and don't know where to start, need help creating a budget that works for your family and your life, or even if you have questions about what to do with your wealth and where it should go. Adam, the owner, is a certified master financial coach that can coach you through your financial situation with the experience of someone who has paid off debt and with the knowledge of someone who is building their financial future with budgeting and investing. Adam offers coaching online, which is a quick and convenient way for you to get the help you need. Get in touch with him today to schedule your first session at adamcoachesmoney.com and connect with him on Instagram at adamcoachesmoney. Well, this is episode 14 of the Great Commission Leadership Podcast. I'm your host, Graham Withers, and I wanted to thank you for listening today. If you had not had the chance to listen to episode 13 with Aaron Harvey, I encourage you to do so. Great Commission Leadership is a podcast that brings on amazing ministry leaders every week and highlights how they are fulfilling the Great Commission. Today, we are excited to have Eric Walker. Eric is the pastor of Franklin Community Church in Franklin, Kentucky. Eric, thank you so much for coming on. Hey, thank you so much for having me, man. I'm excited. Excited. Absolutely. Well, I, I've, I first uh, heard Eric's story and what God's been doing in his church at a church revitalization conference that was happening in, in Lexington a few years ago. And I just, I remember being really encouraged and really uh, just it, his, his story was really powerful. And it was just really encouraging to hear all that God was doing uh, in the life of his church. And so, Eric, I'm really excited to hear from you today. Um, why don't we just get started by you kind of sharing uh, a little bit about yourself and how you got to the ministry you're in today? Well, um, I'm married to my beautiful wife, Natasha Walker. Uh, just last February, we celebrated 20 years. Um, we have two beautiful kids together. Um, we also have kids um, from previous um, previous relationships. Um, but as far as me being in a ministry, um, I grew up, my father always been a pastor. Um, he just passed away last June. Um, but I grew up a church kid. Um, but when I got to a certain age, I, I left out, you know, because I didn't want to do church. I was never uh, all involved in church. Um, but in 2003, um, in the midst of, of course, you heard this at the, the uh, revitalization uh, conference that uh, I got saved in the midst of a drug overdose um, in 2003. And right after that, man, God just dramatically just, 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 tore my life to pieces in a great way. And uh, so since 2003, I have been in the ministry since 2003, um, right after that moment, man. So it's been, it's been great. Um, It's been great. It's been great. Yeah. Talk about your journey, because I know uh, you were involved with uh, another church in the Bowling Green area or so, and then you talk about how you got to the church you're in right now and kind of what that journey was like, too. Yeah. So, um, Right after the midst of, of that drug overdose, I worked at a factory called New Mather Meadows, and uh, it was in Franklin, Kentucky. And so I was so excited about the new life. I go back to work, and I'm just telling people how God dramatically changed my life. And there's a lady there who uh, was going to First Baptist Church in Franklin, Kentucky. And so she's like, well, hey, would you come and give a testimony to our teenagers? I'm like, yeah. So I go down there and I, I tell these teenagers how God dramatically changed my life. And then uh, one of the deacons says, hey, well, can you come and 
give that testimony to our deacons. And so I went and I told the deacons and the deacons go, hey, we got a few uh, young people in our church and they're going to start a young adult ministry called Faith Matters. Would you be willing to lead that ministry? And I'm thinking, well, yeah, because I mean, I wanted to tell people about what God did. So, I mean, no problem. And so we started off with 15 people in uh, First Baptist Church, Franklin, Kentucky. And so we started off with 15 people in about two years. It went up to about 100 and some people. Um, I never pastored a church. I, I've never been a preacher. But all I did was just tell people uh, about the goodness of God. And, and so this ministry grew. Well, Woburn Baptist Church, um, which was our church plant, um, God put on uh, Dr. Tim Harris, who was the pastor of Woburn Baptist Church. At that time, God had put on his heart to plant 20 churches by 2020. And so they was going to plant a church in Franklin, Kentucky. They already had bought a building and they was going to call it Woburn Baptist Church, Franklin Campus, but they needed a campus pastor. Well, somebody said, hey, there's a guy down at First Baptist Man, he's just telling people about the gospel. And so they brought me in um, for an interview. And so, I, I, man, I, once again, I never pastored a church. And they was looking for a campus pastor. And so I put in for the interview. Um, man, by my surprise, I'm just going to be honest, by my surprise, I went from like, you know, I think it was about 25 candidates. And, and it went down to 10. And I'm telling my wife, you know, I, I probably won't make it down to 20. I made it down to 20, I made it down to 10, I made it down to five. And when they told me I was like in the top two, I mean, it just blew me away. And then all of a sudden they hired me. And so that's how I got started um, with Woburn Baptist Church. And so we started Woburn Baptist Church Franklin Campus, which was the first church plant from Woburn Baptist Church. And it all started with a testimony at New Mather Meadows yeah, and 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 went to First Baptist Church, and and then the word got out, and and that's how we started uh, Woburn Baptist Church, Franklin Campus. That's how that got yeah. started. Eric, that's so cool here. Like just to to hear how God just took you out of your uh, just a life of 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 brokenness and changed yes. you, and then you were just faithful to do what God was was what calls all of us to do to tell people yeah. about him and that's when God began to open those doors for you. So that's Definitely. that's really cool to hear about, man. That's cool. Definitely. Um so when you think about the Franklin area, um talk a little bit about uh some of the unique uh the unique characteristics of that area of, of Kentucky and just ministry in that area as well. Yeah. Oh man, Franklin, Kentucky is unique in an amazing way. It is a very uh diverse small town it's small it's um i heard a, a statement not too long ago um when they was talking about franklin kentucky and i heard i think it was the city manager said franklin kentucky is a small town doing big things i, I think that describes franklin kentucky amazing it's a small town doing big things um it is a close-knit community and when i say close-knit it is a close-knit and the crazy thing when I worked at New Mather Meadows, it's actually off of exit six. And you would turn left, and that's how you go to the factory. But if you turn right, you would go to Franklin. And I've never been in Franklin. Um, when I was working at that factory, I'd never been in Franklin. And so when I got that call into the ministry, that was the first time I ever 
uh, entered that city. And, and I tell you, we just fell in love with it. But it's very unique. Um, it's a unique small town, um, but it had issues just like every other uh, uh, small town. But it's a it's a great city. It, it, it's a great, unique, diverse city. Hmm. Very close knit. So talk a little bit. And I mean, I think even just hearing uh, your heart for the few minutes we've just been talking here and just like uh, just knowing hearing you from the from the conference a few years ago, um, it just seems like evangelism, reaching people for Jesus, is one of those things that just gets you going. You're, you can hear, I can see the passion on your face and hear the yes, passion in your voice that. even now just talking about it. So talk a little bit about what that looks like in your church. Number one, how do you, how do you lead that um, and model that for your people? But also how do, you, how do you create a culture of that within your church too? Well, I tell you, Graham, uh, of course you saw me at the conference and you know, um, I, I'm just an out of a box pastor. I, I, out of the box. I remember, I want to go back to the first day that God changed my life. And I was in Bowling Green, Kentucky. I never forget, I, I won't even forget the address where I was at. It was 149 Court. I would never forget that moment, June 2003, 149 Court, in the midst of a drug overdose. God dramatically changed my life. Now, I've heard about church, okay? My father was a pastor. And all my life, is I heard, you need to go to church. You need church. You need church. Of course, you know, we, we talk about evangelism is to get people in church. And so my parents were still living in Mississippi, but I was living in Bowling Green with my wife. And so when I got saved, I, I remember there's a bunch of churches. I remember. And so I started walking downtown Bowling Green because that's what I was told. You know, if you want to get your life together, go find a church. Well, every church that I went to, either um, nobody was there or they didn't know how to deal with somebody who just came off of a drug addiction because you got to understand, um, I didn't change my clothes. I didn't decide to get, you know, take the drug smell off of me, the alcohol smell off me. I just went as I was because that's what they told us, right? Come as you are. So I went at, as I am. And I never forget, Grandma, I never forget this moment. After being turned away from about the fifth church, I was walking downtown Bowling Green. And I said, God, if you ever give me an opportunity, I promise we're not going to wait for people to come to us. We're going to go to them yeah. because I am, I was one of them. And I'm just imagining, I was thinking, how many of me are out here? Um, how many of me are out here? And, 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 and here's what I've said, Graham. Churches could no longer, I, I heard the statement, I wrote this down. Churches could no longer open their doors and expect people to just come in. Yeah. Um, and, and, and I think that's one of the problems. I think if we open up, if you if we build it, there come that. No, that doesn't work that way. Um, you got to go to them. And so, with me having a background of knowing what it means to to be hurt and rejected, uh, I want to make sure that we build a culture of going to them. And so that's how our church our church knows that we we're about. Matter of fact, when we became autonomous and we went on our own. We changed our name to Franklin Community Church, and we did that for a reason. Hmm. Um, what do we want to be about? Our name says a lot. We're about the community. Um, when I preach, it's about the community. Um, our vision is Franklin Community Church is committed to seeing the law saved and the community restored. Everything we do is about community. And so we built a culture of community. And our 
church know that. If you come in and if you're a visitor, the first thing you want to know, we're about, we're about Christ and community. We're, that's what we're about. Um, what we're, we're about seeing people get their lives together, but we got to go out there and we realize we cannot just open the doors to the church and expect people to come in. It doesn't work that way. Yeah. So what, what maybe are some examples in terms of, uh, maybe some of the different ways that you reach your community, some of the different uh, ways you motivate your people to uh, see themselves as, as reaching the community. Yeah. So just some, maybe a few examples of how you guys are, are doing that. Well, one of the things I'm, I'm actually the spiritual coach for our high school basketball team. I am the spiritual coach for our high school football team. Um, we're connected with the middle school. Um, we're connected with the schools. Um, mm -hmm. uh, one of the things is I'm in the schools. I go up to the schools. I go to the high school. I go to the middle school. And 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 one of the things I'm at the high school, the middle schools, um, we're connected with a, a recovery home that just started in Frank Community Church. Matter of fact, we got a van and we would go pick the people up from the recovery home and we would bring them to our church. Um, I do a jail ministry, just did a, uh, there was an article in the Western Recorder about the jail ministry that I am part of. And so one of the things is that our people, they're so excited about God. One of the things that we do, we, we're not, I'm going to tell you, Grant, we're not excited about church. We're excited about Christ. And and, yeah. and, and, and and so we don't go, and so I tell my congregation, don't go and tell people, oh, to come to my church. No, you ought to go say, you ought to know my Christ. You ought to know my God. And because and, I told him, I said, because you're not excited. First of all, if you're not excited about your own church, what makes you think somebody else is going to be excited about your own church? So first of all, we get excited about Christ. And so what we do is we encourage people in the break room. We got people in their break room, um, you know, just sharing the gospel. And then they're going to say, hey, what church you go to, man? I mean, where are you getting that from? Where that love coming from? You know, and so we encourage at your job, at your workplace. Most of our employees work at Walmart. Graham, I spend most of my time at Walmart, man. Thank God security knows me. You know, some of our, some of our members are in the security department because if they didn't know me, they would have locked me up for solicited. I promise because I stay up at Walmart, man. I mean, I'm just in the community. I don't sit in my office. Um, the community is my office. Um, I do not sit in my office. And so when the church see the pastor excited about the community, they start to get excited about the community. And so we built a culture of excitement about what Christ has done in our life. And we take that excitement and we just roll it into the community. And man, I tell you, man, it's contagious. I mean, our church grew. I mean, we're running two services right now. Um, and not to, it's not because of me. Um, it's not because of our worship team. It's because our people are excited about what Christ is doing in their lives. And they can't help but to tell people about it. And so we, we just built that culture. It's about that culture. I, I love that, Eric. I mean, I think uh, I'm encouraged to hear how you're modeling this more than uh, – you know, you're, you expect it from your people. I'm sure you probably yes. encourage that motivated cast vision for it, but they see it in you and they're more motivated yes. to do it themselves. Yes. The other thing I wanted to ask before moving on is just a little bit about even your story about when you first came to know Jesus, maybe give some help in terms of really helping pastors see how they can really create in a culture and environment where literally everyone is welcome. Um, and it's not yes. just something that they say, but it's something that's at, like, that's true for their ministry. Yeah, um, I, I tell you, um, that that's one of the biggest issues that I've seen that 
um, we talk about evangelism. Um, one of the things you talk about the community, um, uh, I, I, I tell this all the time. I, I tell people I have no problem. Graham, I have no problem. Churches do great things across seas. They, they do great things. But we, I have to tell our church, I says, but you know what? Sometimes you don't have to go across seas. You can go right across the street. And, and, and I tell you, we have so much in our community. But I tell you, and I can understand because once you start going into the community, or better yet, once the community start coming into your church, um, they don't know your bylaws, man. They listen. The people from the street is not going to know uh, what a disciple is. They don't know the four powerpoints. They don't know about tithing. They don't know about this and that. And and this and you have to really, really make sure if this is the type of church I want. And then you got to train the people, or, or not train, but teach your people. Uh, one of the things I, I love about Frank Community Church is our people help me with the community um, because we see some crazy things in our church, man. And this is what scares a lot of pastors off um, because when they come in, church is not as usual anymore. When you, when when the streets come in, um, church is not the same. Um, I, I have to tell you a funny story. So I'm doing a Wednesday night Bible study, Wednesday night. I mean, I am really laying it down and this phone rings. And I'm thinking this lady is going to put on silent, but no, right in the middle of my teaching, she answers it like, hello? She's like on the second row. And I'm thinking, well, maybe she's gonna tell them that I'm in church and I'm gonna hang up. No, she started having a conversation. And when I went to say so, she literally put her finger up like telling me to hold on. You know, it's like, okay. You know, it's like, but she was never, but this is what happens, this is what you get. Um, you know, when you get the addicts coming to church, man, um, um, you know, I, I've had them, I literally be preaching and seeing people pass out. Um, I literally, you know, passed out because they've been out all night binging and, and, and stuff like that. Um, and so it's kind of hard for us to say, come as you are, because when they come as they are, it's a whole nother ball game, man. It's just a whole nother ball game. Yeah. Yeah. And so I want to encourage pastors um, to to teach their congregation if we're really going to be a church that that welcome people as they are. Um, we're going to see things that's not going to be part of the normal. We're going to see the unnormal. They're not going to um, come right in. Um, matter of fact, our job is to just bring the fish in the boat. Jesus will clean the fish. And that's why I tell our people, our job is not to clean the fish, but we just got to get them in the boat. And we get them in the boat. Now, we pray that Jesus hurry up and clean some of these fish now. Come on, Lord. Come on, get some of them clean. But I tell you, some of my greatest evangelistic people, Brandon, are the people from the streets. Mm -hmm. Are my greatest evangelists. Yeah, I think, man, that's it's really cool to hear that because I think we have to be ready for, if, we really, if we're really praying for that, like, <laughs> our expectations can go out the window. Our comfort zones can go out the window. And honestly, a lot of times that's the healthiest thing that can happen to the church is when the church I is agree. reflecting the community and uh, when people are a little more uncomfortable than, yes, than, than they totally are before. Agree. And so I think, man, that's, that's really helpful for people, for leaders, for pastors to hear that and, and really be helping their people begin now to be okay with their, their preferences, not being ultimate and their, their, uh, their expectations 
being more in line with what Jesus talks about. Jesus talks about us being, you know, he was he was the friend of sinners. He was the one who was, you know, going out and, and reaching and seeking those people. Um, and he was criticized for it a lot. And so I think yeah. we've had a few people even say, you know, like we should be we should be ready for some criticism by like who comes to our church because that's yes. the people we need to be reaching. Yeah. Um, yeah. Man. So kind of. On, a, on the flip side, on the same flip side, different side of the same coin in terms of evangelism is discipleship. So what are some of the ways that you're helping your people grow once, once the, the fish are in the boat, how are you helping them get yeah, clean yeah. and all that stuff? Man, I tell you, man, I've been doing this for 10 years and I tell you, and, and, and I heard, and I said this to pastors, I said, you know, getting them in a the boat is easy. I'm going to tell you that right now. That is easy. Getting them disciple. Now that's work. And I have to learn balance as a young preacher. Um, we can get to the point where our sermons are all evangelistics, you know, mm-hmm. come to the Lord, come to the Lord. And then I had, I remember, I remember sitting in a meeting with one of our deacons at Wilburn and um, man, I was just telling him how, you know, come to the Lord, come to the Lord. And one of the deacons says, okay, I'm here now. <laughs> you know, I'm like, oh snap. Okay, mm-hmm. it's like, oh, I, I didn't, I didn't think about that part. You know, okay, I'm here. So what? They, they go, okay, Pastor, we didn't give our life to Christ. We didn't did the, you know, we didn't believe in our heart. We confessed with our mouth. Okay, and so now, first of all, I have to learn how to balance my messages, mm-hmm. and I think that's very important. That you have to, you know, we know God is a just God, but He's a good God, so He's a balanced God. You know, He's a just God, but He's a good God, and so I have to learn how to balance from evangelistic um, to discipleship. So what I've done is because Sunday for us, I say this all the time, Sunday is my 911 day. Um, I tell my leaders, every Sunday is an emergency. Because even as a center ground, when I was a center, every center knows that church starts at 11 o'clock on the Sunday. I mean, you could go out there, you can ask the center what time church starts. He don't know that it starts at nine. He don't know the eight o'clock service. He just know that it starts at 11. So I know at 11, I'm going to have to be more evangelistic than my nine. Um, my nine o'clock, um, my nine o'clock, I can have a little balance. Now, what I have to do at my 11, I have to... Uh, I have to say I had an older guy with overalls, probably gave me one of the best compliments I ever had, but one of the most confusing compliments I ever heard. He said, what I like about you, Pastor Eric, you bring the hay down where all the goats can eat. And I thought, okay, I don't know if that's a compliment, but I I received it. But what he's saying is you're making it to the point where we can understand. And so at 11, because I know that's in my community come in, I don't want to be so deep, but then I also don't want to be so evangelistic that every Sunday they just hear come to the Lord because what when they come to the Lord? But I also want to be able to say, okay, now this is where we got to go. This is where we got to go. And this is where we got to go. So I have to learn how to balance that. Now, my Wednesday is completely discipleship. We, we take that Wednesday, and I've learned from a church plant that most of my leaders came from my Wednesday night. Because that's that time that we do the PowerPoints. That's that time we open up the text. That's that's that time we begin to work on it. That's that time, um, 10 ways to build your faith. Um, 10, five ways to learn how to grow in God. And so we take our Wednesday night has been our, our, our discipleship moment. So I take Sunday and I balance it. But Wednesday, when you come on Wednesday, you know that is the time that you're going to learn and grow. And then we just developed this thing called Grow Week. Grow Week is where we take one week out of the month. 
and we call it Grow Week. Monday is our Man Up ministry. And so men can come and grow in their walk with God on Monday. Tuesday is our kingdom-minded women, and if, if any women can come in. Wednesday is our regular night, regular Bible study. Thursday, refuge, which are celebrate recovery. Friday, um, we do merits matters, and we also have a foster care ministry because a lot of our community people has foster care. So we know every third week of the month is grow week. We take that time to disciple our men, our women. We have our Wednesday night uh, young adults. We have our our youth, and so we lay time out to disciple them. So Sunday is more evangelistic, Wednesday is more discipleship, but then we take a time out um, to give people time to grow. Uh, yeah, so. Eric, I think that's great. I think uh, you're, you're hitting on what I think is what what we need to recognize as a balance that has to be struck. Um, and especially for you, you know, I don't, I don't know you super well, but it definitely seems like your natural gifting and your natural bent is more towards evangelism. And so you have to maybe work, maybe work a little bit harder to, to, oh, to strategize for discipleship. And I love having you on here because I think you're giving a different perspective than from what a lot of people, I think a lot of people are more discipleship oriented and then they think about evangelism. So I love hearing your perspective because you're helping us see like, um, you know, this this is just as true for for those who do who are more naturally geared toward discipleship. We need to think about evangelism too, because you can have the greatest, mo- most theologically deep discipleship based like biblical sermon, and then you're missing out on the people who are going to be naturally there who don't know Jesus. And so yeah. there's certainly a balance there. And I th- honestly, I would say you even see that in the ministry of Jesus too. Like even with the Sermon on the Mount, he was directing yes. it towards his disciples, but he knew that there were hundreds of people, yes. maybe thousands yeah. of people yeah. there who, you know, he certainly had in the back of his mind at the very least. And so I think you even kind of see that balance in Jesus' yeah. ministry as well. Um, it's so kind of thinking, balance. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So thinking about leadership now, um, what's one of the best leadership lessons you've learned in terms of like personal experience, how you've personally learned some leadership lessons over the years? Wow. I tell you, um, Pastor Tim Harris, the one who uh, started uh, our church plan, um, I tell you, I had the opportunity when they first started that church, I was on staff with them for while I was on staff. And I tell you, I've learned a lot about leadership by being under him for for some time in leadership. And so I got to see one of the greatest leaders at work. Um, One of the things I noticed about him, he let his leaders lead and he let them learn. Um, He's not one that hovered over them, but he's one that guides them. And so I brought that into Frank Community Church. I let my leaders lead. I let them learn. And then if, if, you know, it don't go right, we sit down and we'll work it out together. Um, but what I found out, um, I remember we was in Cincinnati and um, we was at NAM, and they was asking Pastor Tim, I was sitting right behind him, they says, uh, uh, what does it take to do these things? And he said, you have to find an Eric Walker. And I didn't really understand or get the concept what he was saying. But now that I have leaders on my team, I know what he's talking about. You know, with my worship pastor, you know, who's Tommy Johnson, I'm thinking, okay, you got to have a Tommy Johnson. What do you mean? Is that because he's one of the most excellent? No, Tommy Johnson understands the concept uh, that everything is not going to go our way. 
or you know when it comes to my children pastor man you got to find an angry Greek card or when it comes to our youth pastor you gotta you gotta find uh brianna and trevor when it comes to my young associate that's been under me for since he was 15 are you gonna find a nick gregory or or are you gonna find are you gonna find deacons like the deacons that I got, like Stephen Cowles and Mitch Baker, or, or I mean, now they're in leadership because leadership is it, it starts with the heart. It, it literally starts with the heart. You, you can you can you can't train a heart. Let me put it that way. But if somebody got the right heart, you can work with the right heart. And that's what he was saying. You got to find an Eric Bubble has a heart and a passion for for this. And so we have been blessed to have people who have a heart and a passion for this. Um, like in our children, we have a lady that her name is Athena. She cooks. Her heart is cooking. And, and so she cooks for our community. And so it's easy for me to lead her when she's already have a passion for it. I think we try to put it this way. You can't teach passion. You just can't. You, you just can't. And we have done that many of times. We try to put people in places they shouldn't be. And I've done that. And, and that was my first mistake, putting people in places that they shouldn't be and trying to make them. You can't put somebody and make them love kids. Now, I want you to love. Yeah, no, they got to love kids and you can work with them. Tommy Johnson loves music. You know, my wife been doing women's ministry all her life. And so that's what she does. You know, um, this foster care family, that's what they do. And so it's easy to lead people who have the passion. And so when Pastor Tim said you got to find an Eric Walker, he wasn't saying you got to find the smartest guy on the block because definitely I wasn't. <laughs> but you got to say you got to find a guy who has a passion and heart because the Bible tells us wherever your treasure is, your heart will be also. And so if your heart's in it, you will treasure that ministry. And it's easy to lead people who already treasure where they're at. Mm. Yeah, I think uh, I love that too because you definitely can't do ministry alone. You can't do leadership alone. Oh, and oh. even if that means, you know, it sounds like you've been blessed with an amazing staff. Um, but even if that's just a few volunteers who are passionate about the Ooh. gospel and passionate about the church, like you can go, you can do a lot of things with that and using their, using some of their passion and, and developing some of that gifting along with it too. Um, yeah. Dude, I can go on and on about our volunteers, man. I can start naming volunteers like left and right, like in our nursery with Karen and Aaron and, and our downstairs, I, man, I tell you, we are so blessed with all the volunteers that we have in that church. Um, we have, man, we got what we call a hug ministry. When you come in that door, um, they're going to greet you. They're going to hug you. I can go on and on about, but once again, it's about that passion. Um, I don't. You remember, I, I always tell the story about when Jesus uh, goes to see Simon Peter and he was climbing at the table and, and this woman comes in and she just all over Jesus. And Simon Peter goes, you, if he would have knew what type of woman that was, he wouldn't even let her, you know, touch it. And then Jesus goes back from the religion to the relationship. You know, he said, when I came, dude, you didn't even, man, you didn't greet me with a kiss. Come on, Simon. You know, when I came in, you didn't even offer me no water, man. But this woman is crying and she's anointing my feet. And she, he said, but, but he says this, whom I forgave much, love much. And, and that's that passion. And, and our volunteers have, have, have understand that they have been forgiven and they have taken that grace and that forgiveness and, and they have ran with it, man. And, and so we're excited with our volunteers. I mean, I can go on and name and volunteers, but we have so many. I tell you, we're doing online 
And we had so many worship people on our team that we had to pretty much just break it down because the stage can hold all of them. Um, I brought my first online service. I said, okay, we're just going to invite the leadership team and the staff. Graham, we had 40-some people. That was just the leadership team and the staff. If we'd have brought the volunteers, leadership, we'd have it packed out. So we had to cut it down to just four people. I mean, that's amazing. That's just leadership team and staff. Yeah. We have over like 50 to 60 volunteers. Yeah, that's awesome. So last question, um, what are some books and resources that have really shaped and impacted your leadership? Well, man, to be honest, I'm not a big book reader, to be honest, but one of my favorite ones that if I do read is John C. Maxwell. Mm-hmm. Um, you know why? Because I, one of the things that my mentor told me, he said, listen, well, going back to that balance, well, I never was a leader. Now, I can tell you about Jesus. I get excited about Jesus. And man, listen, God saved me, done amazing things. Now, not only do you have to preach your congregation, going back to that leadership you was talking about, well, now how do you lead? And so I read a lot of John C. Maxwell books on leadership because now I got to learn how to also lead. And so, man, I always encourage when I get a new leader, I give them, hey, take a John C. Maxwell book. Um, I'm big on that, on, on leadership. Um, yeah. them some of the books that I read a lot. Well, awesome, man. Well, thank you, Eric, so much for taking some time and investing in us today. Just really encouraged about your heart for, for the gospel and your heart for people and just your passion to see the gospel reach and uh, reach and disciple the people in your community and grateful that, that God's put you in the place that he, that he has you down in, in Franklin. And, uh, man, again, thanks so much for coming on. Hey, man, thank you so much for having me, man. I enjoyed it, man. I really enjoyed it. Thanks so much. Thanks for listening to the Great Commission Leadership Podcast. If this podcast has impacted you, please subscribe, share, and rate so that others can be impacted as well. You can connect with us on Twitter and Instagram at GCLpod. And join us again next week for another episode of the Great Commission Leadership Podcast.